0: This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now, let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the Year of the Leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast. Welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. So glad you're here. This is a space we've created for anyone who leads from the middle. You lead, but you're not in charge. You're in that proverbial second chair. And if you're just wanting to get it right for the kingdom of God, for your church, for your pastor, then this is the space for you. We're so glad you're here. My name is Clark and I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second and today we're joined by Vance Roush and we're going to be diving in how to lead innovation in the second chair. But before we do, I wanted to talk to you about a space we've created for online leadership development that we're so excited about. We call it Leading Second Plus. Leading Second Plus is our online learning site for second chair leaders. So. We've put our very best into a space to help you grow and develop in your leadership. Your subscription gives you access to online courses, past live events, leadership labs, and teaching from some of the greatest second chairs that we know. And we've worked hard to put it all in one convenient space for you. So if you're interested in growing and developing yourself as a leader, I want to personally invite you to join us on Leading Second Plus. And we're happy to offer all new members a seven day free trial on us. And it would be our honor to come alongside you and to walk with you every single day as you take a new step in your leadership development. To learn more and sign up, you can go to leadingsecondplus.com. Well, for today's episode, Pastor Brandon is joined by Vance Roush. Vance is an executive pastor at Vive Church. He's the author of the book, High Growth Fundraising, and he's the founder and CEO of Overflow, a giving platform that accepts stock, crypto, and cash donations. They sit down together to talk about leading innovation from the second chair. So let's join the conversation.
1: Well, Vance, welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. I'm so glad to meet you and have you in this space today.
2: Brandon, this is such a pleasure. We've, I think, known each other through other people for far too long, and we finally made the connection. (laughs) So this is long awaited.
1: That's what I was thinking when I reached out to you the other day, like the 200th person (laughs) asked me do you know vance roush he talks just like you and so i finally just bit the bullet and sent the dm like okay we're friends i'm calling it 100
2: we're friends we're kindred spirits already. Yeah. Yeah. likewise
1: uh thank you for how you serve the kingdom thank you Mm. for what you do in your church as well as serving other churches why don't you share with everybody what you do in ministry
2: yeah, I'm so excited about this community, the spaces that you're creating. So thank you for what you do. Uh, but so that your audience can get to know me a little bit more, Vance Roush currently live in the heart of the Silicon Valley. I'm standing in Mountain View, California, right across the street from Google. Moved down here Beautiful. to work for Google uh, about 12 years ago, um, right after I made my married my wife at the University of Washington. And so we're originally from Kent, Washington. I know you're in Tacoma, 253. Yeah shout out come on that's where that's where we're from if you know you know uh but we both got jobs in the silicon valley and started our marriage our lives together our careers here um and we've been here ever since and so while i've been growing in i guess my technology career uh god has really illuminated my ministry calling which has been really cool uh 12 years ago right when we moved just two months into it um, I got a DM, similar to how you DM me, man, God works through DMs, I guess. Uh, I got a DM yeah. from these pastors that were living in Australia at the time, pastors Adam and Kara Smolcombe, right? They're part of the C3 movement uh, back mm-hmm. in the day, and they felt a call from God to plant a church in the Silicon Valley, but they were at, in Sydney, Australia at the time. They had never even been. They just felt a conviction um to sell everything and move here but because they didn't know anybody they kind of heard about us we were looking for churches and things like that and they connected us with us um through twitter which i now call the holy dove i know some of you x you know you don't think of it that way (laughs) but that's that's how i think about it now because what ended up happening is that we made a connection online they ended up taking a preview trip to the silicon valley and uh, I toured them around Google, the place I was working at the time. I toured them around Stanford. We were hanging out for three hours. If you've ever met pastors from Australia, when they quote Bible verses in an Aussie accent, it's just better. So you fall in love with them more really anointed. quickly, <laughs> way more anointed. And, and we end up at a Thai restaurant after three hours of getting to know them. And they, as we sat down, start pitching this vision of Vibe Church, to us. This this church that is going to be wow. life-giving. This church that's going to attract people that work at places like Facebook, Google, and Apple, inventors of the iPad, inventors of new social media that are creating products that influence the world. They're going to get saved. They're going to get a deeper purpose for their life. They're going to encounter Jesus. And the Silicon Valley is not just going to be known for technology and innovation, but it's going to be known for a move of God. And there was like a 10 minute kind of vision pitch, just like that. And I'm just trying to eat my pad Thai, Brandon. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm 22 years old, bright eyed, uh, naive. And as they're pitching this vision, all of a sudden they look us, Kim and I, my wife straight in the eye and say, so start it with us. Wow. Three hours of knowing them, a 10-minute vision pitch over some pad thai and Gosh. pad see you. And out of mostly naivety, but maybe a little bit of faith, <laughs> maybe like a mustard seed level of faith, we said yes. Okay? And that we said yes, yes that day. We said yes that moment. And that yes oh. has changed the trajectory of our lives. And it's just really been a journey of 12 years continually saying yes and amen to everything that God has for us. We started the church officially a month later, seven people praying in a living room in San Jose. Today we have 4,000 members across 11 locations around the world.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful. God is good. And man, I know you signed up for Pad Thai, not <laughs> a ministry calling.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. God but had God, different plans.
1: God uses it. That's that's phenomenal. Um, I love it. And I love where you live. What a, what a, what a fun part of the country. I've had an opportunity to do some ministry there. So saying that I'm so excited for what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. We're going to talk about leading innovation from the second chair. I don't think I've ever had this conversation and I've kind of been dying to have this conversation with somebody. So tag your it today. Come on. First, though, get us started. Why do you lead from the second chair? Like, Where does your passion for leading from the second chair come from?
2: Yeah, so currently I sit in the seat of executive pastor at our church. Um, Uniquely, though, and I know this is not for everybody, I don't get paid by the church. So I'm not a paid staff member. Um, Mm -hmm. It's more of an overseeing role, a governance role. I also have the privilege to serve on the board of our church, uh, as considered one of the, the, the co-founding pastors, even though our lead pastors deserve all the honor and all the credit for sure. They moved country, they sold everything. Um, but it's been a privilege to be considered as part of kind of that founding team. Uh, so in the seat that I sit in within the church, uh, I guess, vocation, uh, the reason why I love sitting in that seat is I love making an impact. I love mm. being able to interpret vision and put legs to the vision and create innovative solutions to see the vision that I know God has given our lead pastors. Um, because I, I know that is true because every time we interpret it well, and every time we carry it well, and every time we execute it well, that the presence of God is on it. The blessing of God is mm. on it. The favor of God is on it. Every time we work unified as a team. And if I can play a part in that unity, if I can play a part in that creativity, if I can add something new to the conversation, I am having an incredible impact, right? And so that's why I love leading in that seat for the church. In addition to that, alongside my pastor, actually, we have done things in business as well. And maybe this will speak to somebody um, that, you know, sits in this seat, but also maybe has a dynamic relationship with your pastor um, that affects different worlds and different ministries and different spheres of influence. I ventured out three and a half years ago to start a company that served the kingdom of God as well, similar to how this space serves the kingdom of God, right? Called Overflow. It's a technology company. It's an innovative company. Uh, It's a giving software that allows people to give anything, stock, crypto, regular giving frictionlessly through a beautiful experience. And we serve over 450 churches. We serve the wider kingdom through this but Pastor Adam is on my board um, for mm. this church, and so there's there's a lot of other creative ways we've been able to partner together. But sitting in the sure. seat that I sit in, um, I like because it it allows me to have an impact.
1: Beautiful, beautifully said. Would you agree with this thought that some people are called to the first chair? Many more of us are called to the second chair, that it's not this, like, we're not the people that God, like, didn't pick (laughs) or the people that got passed over. Would you agree, or maybe even add your words to it, that this is as much a calling as leading in the first chair?
2: A hundred percent. I would a thousand percent agree with that statement. I also think that what some of us struggle with in the second chair sometimes as we get it confused with second class, <laughs> right? Um, especially if you yeah. have a visionary calling, especially if you believe <laughs> that one of your talents and one of your giftings is actually to be a visionary. Oh, I'm a second-class visionary because I'm in the second chair. No, no, no. You're a first-class you. <laughs> yeah. Like you're a number one you. Yeah. Um, and if you can be a number one you, you will be able to come alongside uh, the person that's that just happens to be right because of God's placement in that lead position for that specific organization for a specific reason. Right. Um, but it's not a second class calling. It's still a first class calling just in a different seat.
1: Yep. That is, we're going to be best friends, fans. this is great. (laughs) You you don't even know it. I, I was at our first event leading second camp. So this was February 22 nervous as all heck given my like first message at my own first event, you know, and I, you know, third of the way in, I blurt out the line. Second chair is not second class. And no that's literally become this like kind of unofficial just thing that we carry and we say, yeah, so I firmly believe it: second chair is not second class. It is so as much a calling as, as the leader holding up their arms. You know, I often think of Moses, right. You know, when, when, when the, the story of Joshua fighting the Amalekites, when Moses arms were up and as long as his arms were up, the battle was going in Israel's favor, um, just as pivotal to that moment is Moses is also Aaron and her yeah. uh, who are arm holders, and i just think there's so many of us that are called to hold up someone else's arms and it has dignity and it has value and it has purpose every bit of purpose as the one whose arms are up so to speak so we just firmly believe that second
2: chair is not second class i love it and and here's the outcome being part of a winning team that's the outcome exactly because to your point why i agree with your point is because we all know That Pippin on his own wasn't the same as Pippin with Jordan. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, We could probably surmise that Clay Thompson on his own wouldn't be the same as Clay with Steph, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and why these things work is because people understand their role. And why these things work is because they're a part of a winning team. Like it's important to understand that, hey, we win together, we all have the same ring that's why it's not a second class yeah. calling cuz the same ring that Steph has the same ring that Clay has the same ring Absolutely. rings that Pippen has the same ring as that Jordan has right but they played a, a distinct role to get the championship beautiful that that
1: you know i don't know if i say it often enough that really is why we started leading second we were not we were not bored <laughs> we were in fact ministry at that season was booming yeah. We were not bored. We were not looking for something to do. We were not trying to start a cool little ministry or something. To be quite honest, it's actually added complexity to our <laughs> lives. You know, yeah. if anything, as you know, starting a business and what that adds. But this is our play for healthy teams. Like mm. this is this is our play to build winning teams and churches everywhere. So. Mm. I, yeah, thank you for expressing your heart and, and saying that it's always good to meet like-minded leaders. Okay. I want to talk innovation yeah. for a minute. And, and when you were talking, when I, we were, you know, before we pushed record, let me tell you why this topic lit me up and I'm going to let you go for a minute. Yeah. So I I often test as a visionary on mm. leadership tests. You, you might as well. Uh, I test very strategic, very idea driven. And I think one of the great disciplines of my life has been in leading vision and architecting Mm -hmm. vision while being under vision Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. being an innovator and actually bringing something to the table for my pastor when it comes to vision, not just being a yes man, while still maintaining high level alignment with him with them and so when you mentioned the word innovation it really leapt in my heart so Mm. i'd love to just set you loose for a minute tell us what do you mean when we say leading innovation from the second chair what does that mean why is it important that we have that this conversation today
2: because our pastors are definitely looking for disciples, but they're not necessarily looking for mini-me's. They're not necessarily looking for clones, mm-hmm. right? Why? Because they have a burden uh, that God has given them. They, they have this vision burning in their hearts to see come to pass um, within their lifetime and to pass on to the next generations, right? And they need like-minded people, but not the same exact people to be able to mm. fulfill that vision, right? To interpret that vision. And so, especially if you're sitting in an executive team level meeting within a church strategy context, if everybody is saying the same thing, you're probably missing something, right? You, you probably sure. more are in groupthink than on the edges of innovation. The edges of innovation looks like a little bit of struggle. The edges of innovation looks Mm. like looking at the problem from different angles, seeing different perspectives, uh, bringing something net new to the conversation so that it could be a greater whole. I actually don't agree with this whole statement of, you know what, let's just agree to disagree. I don't believe in that. I think agreeing to disagree Mm -hmm is the first step to division, right? So I don't agree with that, but I do think that you're not always gonna agree. That's not permission to say, agree to disagree, that's permission to tarry a little bit more so that you can come to a higher level of agreement, right? And so there is permission to bring different perspective if the aim is the same to eventually come into alignment.
1: So what does it mean for a second chair leader to lead innovation architect vision and how would a leader do that in the second chair without disrupting alignment and unity with their lead pastor who is often kind of the chief visionary in the organization
2: yeah so i asked my pastor early early days um maybe year two year three of us planning the church it started getting some momentum getting some steam we're going to places like inside elevation we're trying to learn and things like that i'm spending a lot of time with my pastor a- as we do and i just got this appetite okay i want to really grow i want to up level in my leadership um i need to really figure out how i can you know really yeah carry the arms of our pastors and and see this on to to the next milestone and the next season of what god has for us and i asked my pastor this question i said hey pastor what are you listening to? I want to be listening what you're listening to. And he's like, "Okay, hmm. that's cool. Um, you know, here's some books that really influenced my life and you know, here are some things maybe you can you can study that that really helped me in my leadership, but can I encourage you Vance, I actually don't need you to be listening to what I'm listening to. I need you to, to be learning things that I don't know and teaching me about wow. that." <laughs> wow. And so it's wow. like He's like, Vince. you have a business anointing. I need you to be listening to a business podcast. I need you to be listening, uh, reading business books I'm not reading. I need you to be thinking about the kingdom from a business perspective. And in our one-on-ones, I don't want you just echoing what I preached on Sunday. I want you to teach me something net new that we can bring to our church together. And early on, that set me free on understanding, wow, this will never be a competition because I'm always seeking to be complimentary, A- and, and it was like this evergreen piece of land that I had in the universe of Vive, which was like, oh, this is so cool uh, that 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 I have this domain, uh, uniquely for our church that I can hold, that I can own. Um, I have this 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 world uh, which um, is going to contribute to the vision. Okay, how does that not get wonky, right? Well, the the thing is. You need to have uh, some level of cadence and rhythm of communication with your pastor, right? And that looks right. different to to every uh, set of pastors and exec pastors or first chair, second chair. That looks different in different seasons. But the principle and the premise is still the same. Are Are you willing to take that world and venture out into that world, behold it loosely in submission to the greater vision, Right. If it ever becomes a place where you're so precious about it, that it's scary to submit it, then you're probably yeah. starting to get misaligned.
1: Beautiful. Was it difficult for you to hold the vision loosely? Because, you know, let's let's just sit on that for a minute. We go out, We we research, we find ideas, we fall in love with ideas, we you know, we, we, we see something and go, man, this would really help our church and you bring it back and it does not fly <laughs> or, you know, just what whatever it does. not doesn't fit within current priorities or, or flow or whatnot. Do you ever find any challenges with holding that loosely?
2: Early on, huge challenges. You know why? Because I always thought that the solution that I had was definitely the right solution. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like right. I, I'm investing in it not because I'm necessarily prideful about it, but I had so much conviction that what are we talking about? This is going to work. Like this, no. this is the strategy. Like I've, this I've is thought it. about it, Pastor. <laughs> like, like I've, I, you know, this is foolproof. Just listen to me, and this is going to work. You know, you know. Actually, the humbling moment is when I ventured off and started overflow. And in 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 a way, uh, leading from a first chair now in, in that sense, yeah. and realizing, yeah. oh, there's so many different factors to a decision than just one department's conviction. There's so yep. many different, <laughs> yep. like connected. And like when you're in the first chair, so it's like this, right? Um, when you're in the second chair and this is a grace, right? This is a grace. This allows you to be actually yeah. innovative. The grace is that the first chair is like a windshield and, 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 and it's actually covering you from a lot of bugs and a lot of like elements of the world. Right. Yeah. When you, if, if ever you have a chance and, and you've you're called by God to be, in a first chair in some dynamic, you'll realize, oh, this convertible doesn't even have a windshield on it. And now I'm getting all the bugs. I'm the human windshield, right? And so when you are a human windshield, you understand I have so much more empathy for the first chair now. And and now, you know, this has really just happened in the last four to five years. Now it's so much easier for me to hold things with convictions, but loosely right? Deep conviction, deep convictions loosely held. So I care, but if, 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 if we don't decide to go with my suggestion, there must be a reason. And either I can go on the journey of trying to understand that so I can be a better interpreter of vision, or I can just submit it. If, it, if it's my job in that season to submit it. And you know what's cool is when you hold it loosely, God has an uncanny way to redeem it later. Right. He'll bring it back in some form or fashion later and you'll be like, oh, okay, God, it was the right thing at the wrong time.
1: Yep. Yep. Don't you feel like as someone that gets out there, because I I love this thought that someone maybe leading a department or someone leading in the second chair would get out there and know more about their sphere than their pastor knows. I mean, don't, don't you think that's highly valuable when I'm actually an expert on this seat. I'm not an expert on all the seats, but I'm an expert on my given, you know, terrain here, my field to plow. Like I know the field. Yes. But don't you think it that's interesting because you're, you're going to see things first You're going to have ideas that might be the right idea, wrong time. You're going to have to, in other words, sit on some ideas Mm -hmm. sometime. You're going to have to let them marinate. You're going to maybe see it, but it's not the right time. What advice would you give to a leader in that seat who has an idea, might feel like it's the right idea, wrong time. They're having to kind of sit on it, um, maybe let it cook a little bit. What would you say to that leader who finds themselves in that place?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, you can deepen your conviction on if it's the right thing by continually clarifying your motive. Right. And, and that's actually a pretty easy, uh, not, uh, sorry, it's not an easy, it's a relatively simple exercise. Um, but it has to be an intentional exercise, exercise. Right. And so it's, for example, just asking yourself the five whys, right? Okay. Why, why Mm. do you think the Holy Spirit is, is bringing up Uh, the solution or this idea, why why does it feel like it's become a burden? Why does it feel like um, it's something that you can't get past? right? And and, and that's okay. But the way to clarify the purpose behind it is to ask yourself, why? Why why do you think this idea or this solution is so important? And if you can ask five layers of why, you'll typically get to the core, the essence uh, of it right? And sometimes the core and the essence is actually revealing something in you that is maybe an insecurity or a fear or a desire for recognition. And, and, and that's okay. We're human, right? But it's good to identify it because if you can't define it, then you can't overcome it, right? And so it, a lot of times I think we struggle uh, in this these cycles of being stuck because we're not honest enough to get to what the motive is, right? And when we get to the motive, mm-hmm. we're either released in it, and 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 we elevate it up to our pastors in a in a genuine and pure way that is going to be blessed and going to have traction, or we're able to lay it down because we realized, oh, actually, that was a motive that was a bit off, or that was compensating for something that I I, I had unaddressed. Okay, God, I can lay it down. This is.
1: Maybe a little different, somewhat related when, when you talk about motives, my mind always goes to who's the hero, yeah you know, because I think True. when our motives are off, we always need to be the hero, like I want to bring the idea because I'm the hero, and I, I, yeah. I want to implement the idea because then I'm the hero, and that's this. exactly right, and I wonder sometimes about our willingness to let somebody else be the hero.
2: You so know what maybe.
1: if the idea that you have is actually for someone else to win, would you still bring it? And so I think I, you know, I'm old now I'm in my forties. So I'm, I'm, I'm decrepit and, you know, aging <laughs> joking, uh, but, uh, I can honest before God, before God, this is fairly recent. The last few years, I can honestly say my heart is genuinely shifted in that yeah. to where I'm actually find as much joy in somebody else winning as me. Yeah. But I spent a lot of years in ministry with that being a very real struggle. Right, the, yeah. the I, I, to be being real, like I wanted to be the hero. Yeah, <laughs> and don't you think that that's just a discipline of the second chair?
2: It's a discipline, and be encouraged in this. Paul actually had this posture, and, and you know, ultimately God elevated him like crazy, right? But Paul had this posture. He said, no, "No, no, you're you're my letters of recommendation." Right, when he would write these letters to, to, to the different churches, he'd say, "Hey, you're my referrals. You're my letters." of A recommendation, and and that type of language encourages me so much because you know uh, somebody has real influence when all of a sudden you talk to this person and this person you respect and that person that's doing something great in life and that person that's really advancing the kingdom, and they all reference. Oh, but you got to know this guy. This guy's really the one who encouraged me. This guy's really the, and that it's the person behind the person, right? That you start when you when you start getting. 30s, especially 40s and things like that, I can imagine where you start seeing this pattern and you understand how real influence works, right? It A lot of times, it's not even that person that is out front. And that calling is so important. The person that has the courage and, and the calling to be out front, praise God for that person. But I've been so impressed by the person behind the person a lot of times that 10 different yeah. people reference that I'm like, oh, yeah. that's how God also uses people. I want to be that.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Hey, I want to ask you one, probably one of my last questions here. If you could kind of get up in the first chair for a minute. So you've been around, you're a day oneer you know, in your church, you've been kind of part of this plant, you've had close proximity to first chair. And then of course you've started a business in in which you are a first chair leader. So let's just really quickly hit innovation from that space. Mm. When a first chair leader is stepping out to do something new, yes, plan a new church, start a new location, start a new ministry, whatever it is. What do you think the first chair wants to see? from the team around them when it comes to innovation.
2: Yeah, so good. You know, uh, and I'll just speak from experience being in the first chair for Overflow specifically. um, What I'm looking for is for people to share my same energy around innovation and inventiveness. Here's what I am really convicted about. I'm convicted about this is that when we talk about it in a ministry landscape, when we talk about it from the the perspective of the kingdom of God, I actually believe innovation is mission critical to reveal Jesus in our current world. I believe it's mission critical. We actually see it biblically, right? Who revealed Jesus as king when he was born for the very first time? Who recognized Jesus as king? The Bible says the wise men, okay? The magi. These were innovators. These were actually Gentile people, not even God's original chosen people. These were Gentile people that were pursuing disciplines such as studying the stars, civic engagement in politics. They were pursuing mathematics. They they would be the people that were starting companies like Apple, Facebook, and Google of their day. These are the type of disciplines that they were pursuing. And what did they do to recognize Jesus as king? They brought to him myrrh right? They brought to him frankincense. They brought to him gold, currency, Bitcoin, right? Resources, dubbing him as king. We need more people, whether you're first chair, especially if you're second chair, to lead the charge with innovation because innovation is exactly what revealed Jesus at the manger. Innovative people revealed Jesus at the manger. And in 2023 today, People that are going to advance the church going forward are going to be the ones that understand technology, are going to be the ones that understand AI, Are going to, and here's the thing. If you're a second chair leader, it most often means you're probably younger. So it it, it it is actually more of your responsibility to understand AI. It's more of your responsibility to understand technology and how it can be infused and integrated and contextualized to advance the Beautiful. kingdom of God. We need to take up that mantle and lead alongside first chairs uh to advance the gospel
1: beautiful so well said so wrapping it up you're so you're telling me there's a chance uh <laughs> yeah, when it comes to being is. a visionary under a visionary you're telling me i can actually do this
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely 100 percent.
1: that's awesome that's awesome hey last question i love asking some version of this question to leaders when we get to talk maybe l- land the plane. And by the way, thank you so much. This was brilliant. We're going to keep having this conversation because this was, you're you're preaching to me if nothing else today. So thank Uh, you for this. Um, what is your greatest prayer for Mm. second chair leaders in this season? So my, my why behind this question is we're just leading in important times. The, Mm. the, our, our nation, the world has never needed healthy aligned on mission churches like we do now and so a leader leading in the season what's your greatest prayer for that second chair leader right now
2: security security a great assurance a great security especially second chair leaders that are enneagram threes that are visionaries uh that that the 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 the, the hard side of our personality is validation and recognition for our performance to be secure um, in the fact, and it's so funny, right? Especially uh, the times we get to communicate, the times we're pastoring, the times we're counseling people. What we're really trying to do is bring them so much assurance and security in Christ. And sometimes we forget to do that for ourselves, right? And so my prayer Mm. um, is for a great assurance and a great security that where you're at right now is exactly where God wants you to be And as you honor that season to the best of your ability, you don't even have to be so stressed about what's next. He has that already lined up. He predetermined um, what that is. And you're just going to walk in it with the grace. But if you can can be secure, uh, you can maximize all God has for you right now.
1: Beautiful. Hey, thank you again for how you lead in your church. Thank you for caring, honor. Uh, toward your pastor, toward the vision. Thank you for how you're serving churches everywhere. We really, really appreciate you. You are hereby dubbed new friend. (laughs) I love it. Thank
2: you so much. It's an honor.
0: To find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.